part of our service when we look to the Word of God. Um, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go back to the beginning this morning as, we, we, as I'll introduce this topic here in just a moment. But we're going to continue in this series that we started probably five or six weeks ago now. And, and it, 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 this is what stuck was the title of Sticks and Stones. And, and it started from that message of the Lord when the woman was caught in adultery and they wanted to cast sticks and stones at her. And we looked at how the Lord dealt with that. And uh, we, we were looking at this topic of, of judging. Should we judge? Should we as believers, should we judge? And, and a lot of times you hear this, you Christians, the Bible says judge not. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It says judge not, lest ye be judged. There's more to that. It's not a period after the judge not. But we are told that we are to judge righteously. And so I've mentioned this several times, and I'm going to continue to mention this, because this is the overarching theme of what I want you to understand, is, is that we are to judge, but we are to judge righteously. Now, our judgment is not that we cast sticks and stones. That's not the purpose of the judgment when we judge righteously. It is to be able to look at a situation and discern biblically what is right and wrong. And we have the scriptures that give us much of that. John 7, 24 says, do not judge according to appearance. That's important, folks. We can't just look at a situation and go, well, I, I, I'm a, I, this is what it looks like, so I've made up my mind on that. We have to be careful about that. The Bible says, but judge with righteous judgment. And if we're going to judge righteously, then we've got to be walking with the Lord. Amen? If we're not walking with Him, if we're not walking in righteousness with Him and, and submitted to Him, we're not going to be able to judge that way. But we are to judge, and we're to judge righteously. We are to speak the truth in love. We've talked about that. And now that, that in love is, you know, the Scriptures don't tell us to speak the truth in... It doesn't say necessarily in a loving way. Okay, we have to be careful when we, when we put on what the Scriptures say. Now, should we as Christians speak to someone in a way that is not loving? No, but the Scriptures doesn't, it does not say to speak the truth in a, in a sappy, loving way. All right, we, we talked a lot about that, so I think you understand where I'm coming from with that. We're to speak the truth. When we talk about in love, it's from a place of love. It's the motivation of why we speak truth. We speak it in love. Why do you tell someone their house is on fire? Hopefully it's because you care about them and you don't want them to burn in the fire. If you see someone going the wrong way on the interstate, what do you do? You tell them. And oftentimes, you, you, you people don't like that. Don't tell me I'm going the wrong way. But that's not why we do it. We do it out of love. Love for that person, what could happen to them. Love for other people who may get hurt by that. But speaking the truth in love is from a place of love. It's motivated by love. And then what is truth? And we've talked about this. And the truth is the Word of God. God is truth. Christ is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. The Word of God is truth. And so what do we have today? What is our, our um, foundation of truth? It is the Word of God. If we don't have that, we don't have anything. And that, that's why, you, if, if you really want to look at it, everything we see going on in our culture today is designed to undermine the authority of the Scriptures because that is the only true authority that we have. If we don't have the Scriptures, what do we have? Found Genesis 1, the creation. If it, that's been attacked for a long, long time, that God created. No, 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 it was evolution. It was a big bang. It all came from nothing. Boy, it takes a whole lot more faith to believe that than to believe that God created 
Okay, so we have the word of God that God gave us, and that's what we believe, and this is our authority. And so this is the truth. The word of God is truth. And John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It doesn't just set us free. You can, be, you can be set free from jail, but not be free. They could come back and put you back in jail. When you are made free, you're declared free, and that's what the Word does. When we know the truth, the truth makes us free. We are now free, and we're free indeed. And folks, that's why we must speak truth. Because it is truth that makes free. It's not me capitulating to sin. It's not me compromising to sin. It's not me being all things in a sinful way, just tolerating whatever. I am to be all things to all men that I might what? Reach them. You say, so I need to be able to talk with people. I need to be able to communicate with people on their level about those things. But I need to be able to speak the truth to them because I care about them. Because I care about things that what they maybe believe. You know, we're going to get into that. But the whole culture thing. So we're talking, the Sticks and Stones series really is a cultural, it's a countercultural answer. We're trying to give answers to the culture today and what's going on. Now, my prayer right now, my request is that you pray for me. Okay? So the, the, the issues we're going to be discussing for the next several weeks, they're not easy issues. And there are going to be people to listen to it. They won't like it. They won't agree with it. And in, and in many ways, some folks, even in the church, we've become very, and, and I'll, you'll understand this in the next couple of weeks, we've become very embracing almost of, of, of certain things. Right. We've become very embracing. I'm going I'm I'm to tell you, we've become very comfortable with, with extramarital or out-of-marriage out sex. We've become very comfortable with that. We've become almost turning an eye to it because it is such a cultural thing. Folks, the Bible still calls that sin. It's fornication. And so we need to be willing to address sin and and deal with things and call them what they are. Um, But there's other issues, and the one we're going to get into today, many Christians, many people who say, I believe the Bible, have taken, they, they begin to swing this way where they embrace this sin. And we're going to talk about this. So today the topic is this, and here, let me get back to this. Here's why I want you to pray, and I ask you to pray right now, under, you know, silently in your head. You can scream out praying. I don't care at this point. I need your prayers. Because I, I don't want to say anything. I'm not wanting to hurt anyone with anything that I preach. My heart's desire is to convey truth, That's right. and that that truth would touch people's lives and change their life. That's my desire. And so I I desire to speak and say things in the appropriate way. So I ask you to pray for me as we we begin this morning. So I'm going to pray, and I ask you to pray for me. Father, as we begin, as we continue the series, but as we begin uh, dealing with this issue that we're going to reveal in just a moment, God, I pray for... I pray for wisdom as I prayed and prepared. I pray that, Lord, now you'd help me to present this in the right way, in the right tone. Um, Lord, I, I don't want anyone to feel attacked if they're struggling with this or if they have loved ones who are struggling in these areas. Uh, Lord, this is to convey truth, and we want to see truth change lives. That's our desire. Lord, we can't just turn a blind eye to truth. So, Lord, I pray you'll help me to speak truth this morning in, in, a, in a loving way, in a compassionate way, in a way that, that, that speak this truth coming from a place and motivation of love. Primarily, Lord, a love for you to convey your truth to this, this world that has lost its mind. Would you bless now, God, and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to begin this morning uh, a message called Gender Matters. 
Uh, and, and I want to start with some ground rules and some foundational points, okay? Number one is this, the topic that we're going to be addressing. It, now, it's not appropriate for, for younger children necessarily, as, as, as maybe some of the terms, you, you may have kids that are going to ask you, what does that term mean? I can tell you this, I'm not going to say anything in a crass way, I'm not going to say anything in a crude way, I'm not going to say anything in a vulgar way. Uh, every issue that we'll deal with from this pulpit is a biblical issue. And I, I believe that every issue that is a biblical issue can be dealt with in a biblical way in a setting like this without being offensive. I, I had someone tell me one time we were deal, they were dealing with an issue on this and, or on something like this. And he said, man, I got worked up and I got to go in and then I realized there were children in the room. And what I was saying was inappropriate for children. And I said, then what you were saying was inappropriate. Right. Because if it was inappropriate for children, if it would be offensive to a parent because of what you're saying then it's inappropriate. The scriptures deal with every issue we'll talk about over the next several weeks. And the, and, and it's, the scriptures aren't offensive, okay? So pray for me in that. I'm not going to say anything crass or crude, but you may have some words that kids may ask you later. What does that word mean? And so you may have to have some conversations. It may just be, um, go see preacher. And then I'm going to say, go see your mom. And they're going to say, go preach preacher. Go see, no. Uh, number two, it's important to distinguish as we start this, it's important to distinguish between trans activist and LGBTQ plus plus whatever whatever it is today activist who are lobbying for gay and trans rights from others who are confused and misled. Okay, because you have a group that is pushing stuff and educating, and and there's an agenda behind it, and then you have those who are being misled and being taken down the wrong road. And, and so we've got to distinguish between the two. Number three, we will be guided by the biblical framework taught in Genesis 1 and primarily in verse 26 today that everyone matters to God because everyone is made in the image and, and likeness of God. Amen? We're all made in that image. Because we are image bearers of God, our purpose is to reflect, reveal, and represent Him. That's the purpose that we all have. Every created being, we have that. That is our purpose. And many are, are missing out on that. They're not, they're not following the Lord. They're not reflecting that. They're not revealing that. And they're not rep representing Him. And, uh, and so that is our, our idea. Our, our goal is to, is to get people to understand that, to come into a faith relationship with Christ, and then they can reflect and reveal and represent Him. Number four, my primary goal this morning is to clearly present what the Bible says about these issues. Uh, I'm certainly no biologist uh, or expert on gender. Y'all know that. I'm not. But as a pastor, I'm committed to teach with biblical conviction and with compassion to show how God's way is the best way and is the most beautiful way to live. Amen? Amen. That's the way we want to live. Um, we're, not to, we're not to conform God's word to our opinions or feelings. Okay. Now, I say that because uh, I'll share this probably next week with you, but there are those who have taken the Scriptures and, and who want to say that, that they believe certain ways about these issues we're talking about, homosexuality, transgenderism, and those things, and they'll say they're a believer, they're a Christian, but yet they've gone and they've changed Scriptures in the Bible. Well, if you believe the Bible, then you believe the Bible. If you believe something is not sin, you don't have to change the Scriptures to make it justify and sound like it's something different than what the authors intended it to be. So we'll deal, we'll deal with that. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that with you more next week. But we're not to conform God's Word to our opinions and feelings. Because it's something, 
changes in my life or my feelings or whatever, and I may go astray. I don't go back then and try to conform this and change the Word to fit me. What we are to do, rather, is that we're to conform our opinions and our feelings to God's Word. This is truth. My feelings aren't truth. Do you understand that? Raise your hand if you understand. Feelings are liars. Your feelings are liars. You can't trust your feelings. Well, I feel like they're mad at me. I mean, anybody ever had that? You feel like somebody's mad at you, and you find out they didn't even, they didn't, what? I had no idea. I, I didn't, I, I, I'm not mad. I didn't know it. So our feelings can lie. I feel like this, or I feel like that. Be careful with our feelings because they're liars. Number five, we want as a church, we're not going to capitulate on sin. We're not going to cave to sin. We're not going to compromise on sin. Nor will we clobber sinners. Okay, that's not what we're here to do. But instead, we're committed to follow Jesus Christ as our example. John 1.14, Jesus said, uh, it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Our goal is to be like Christ. So we want to be full of grace and we want to be full of truth. When the woman was caught in adultery, the message I referenced earlier in John 8... Jesus ministered grace to her, and he told her truth. He said, neither do I condemn you. And then he said, go and sin no more. So he didn't say, it's okay what you were doing. He called out what she was caught in. He called it sin. He confronted it, and he told her, go and sin no more. And when he said that, he's saying, that's sin. What you were doing was sin. Now, I don't condemn you. He obviously judged, right? He judged righteously. What she was doing was sin. But he loved her and he said, go and sin no more. And that, that's, where, that's where we need to be. You know, we're called to minister in truth and with grace as we speak the truth in love. Remember, it's, to, remember, it's loving to tell the truth because truth always brings freedom. As, as Jesus said in, in John 8, 32, I already referenced this, the truth shall make you free. And, and you know, I've, I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. Truth doesn't sound loving to those who don't want to hear what you're, what you're saying. There are those who will, will you, you can speak with the truth in love. You can do it very lovingly. And folks, so there are some who will not receive it as a loving message because it is not what they want to hear. So just be aware of that. And we can't be driven by that. We've got to still tell truth. And truth is found in a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. And that's who we need to present to folks is Jesus Christ. Number six, our children are on the front lines as social media, schools, celebrities, and even some liberals, um, um, lots of liberals, but some libraries are, are promoting um, an unbiblical and unnatural gender identity and ideology. This worldview involves a comprehensive sexuality education. One example comes from a picture book. Listen, a picture book written for four-year-old children called Gender Fairy, featuring two transgender children. Here's one line from the book. It says, only you know whether you are a boy or a girl. No one can tell you. Now, here's what that does. That, that I just mentioned earlier, undermining, that sentence right there undermines the, the authority of truth. It undermines the authority of uh, of science, of real science. It, under, it undermines the authority of parents. Well, your parent can't tell you what you are. Your parent can't tell you this, that, or the other. They, don't, they, don't have, they, they can't tell you that. And mostly it under, undermines the authority of God. That God then doesn't have the authority to tell you that. 
The author goes on in this book and says some children will realize their true identity is not not the gender they were assigned at birth. Folks, we're not assigned gender at birth. We're not assigned. It's not like a, a child's born and we go, ah, let's make that. That's a boy. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make that. That's a girl. We'll just make that one a girl. I don't know what it is, but we'll just put on the. But it's, not, it's not that it's assigned. It's recognized. Okay, because it's, it's obvious in all of nature, gender, sex is it, it's there. It's obvious. God made it very, very clear. And so it says that uh, their true identity is not the gender they were assigned at birth and will choose to make a social transition to live as their true gender. Folks, our true gender is what we're born as. Right. And, it's, it's, and we'll, we'll get more into that. Uh, but that's what's being pushed. Other books, titles for kids. Now, these are books for kids. Bye-bye binary. Raise your hand if you know what the binary means. Some of you don't know. I, I knew that would be the case because it's a word we don't necessarily throw around. Binary just means we recognize the truth that there are men and there are women. There are males and there are females. There's two genders, bi, bi two genders, binary. And, and so, uh, but the book's titled for children now, Bye Bye Binary. Another one is I'm Not a Girl. Uh, there's Jacob's New Dress and Gender Swapping Fairy Tales. Okay? So this is the stuff that's being poured into our children that it's not truly about our children determining, figuring out, you know, how, as they grow up. I've heard so many stories about girls that were tomboys and boys that played with dolls as children. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with a boy's a girl and a girl's a boy. A boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. We're going to look at that. I like one pastor's statement regarding why he preached on this topic. He says, My purpose is to inform your thinking, solidify your biblical convictions, fortify your courage, fuel your prayers, and encourage your response. And I agree with that. And that's the goal of what we're we're doing today. Now, as we begin this, gay marriage was legalized. Y'all remember that? I'm sure you remember that. Does anybody in here remember the date? Remember how long ago that was? Anybody remember the date? Anybody get, throw me out maybe years. How many years ago? I heard a five, I heard a 10. They're, they're, they're slightly confident, not really confident. It's, there's, some, there's some years coming out. I, you know, there's not, well, there is a wrong answer, but there's no wrong answer in here, okay? Because I asked, so I'm just trying to gauge. Nobody's really certain, is it? All right, but let me give you the date. It was June 26, 2015. Now, here's what was surprising to me, is it felt like it was a lot longer ago than that. But as we went through the 90s, there was a lot of the, the arguments about gay marriage and, and, and all that, and back and forth through the 90s into the early 2000s. And, but it was June 26, 2015. There was a Supreme Court decision, um, Ober, Oberg, Obergvale versus Hodges. And it was a 5-4 decision from the Supreme Court that it made marriage, uh, same-sex marriage was legal across the land. That was 2015. Now, I don't know if you remember, but there were many that were warning against that, arguing against that passing, because the idea was this, that it wasn't just, it wasn't really about gay marriage. It wasn't about same-sex marriage. It, it, It starts with the normalization of sin. That's what it starts with. And that was one that has been worked on and undermined for so long. And the things that have been said that, that this is normal, 
people are born this way. How many have heard that? People are born this way. There's no, there's no scientific proof to that. There's no scientific proof to that. But we hear that. In fact, I heard that from a family member just uh, last weekend, weekend before last. We were, went to visit with someone, and we got to talking about this. And she said, well, you know, they're, they're just born that way. And I said, well, what proof do you have of that? They're, they're not born that way. I said, because Scripture, that contradicts Scripture. God is not going to create someone some way and then, and then judge them for being that way. It, th- so it's not. They're not born that way. Um, but many warned against this. Many warned against the, the gay marriage. And they warned that it wasn't just about gay marriage, but it was about much more. It was about the whole what we've seen since then. It, it, it starts with same-sex marriage, and then it has become a, a tidal wave of everything else to normalize every, every type of sexual sin you can imagine. And, and we see that. And, and what it really was, I equate it this way. If, you, if you've ever, I was over at Nikki's the other day to talk about the, the, the service for a mother, and the dog was in the back trying to come through. And once that dog got his nose through, the next thing they're going to be on the couch, right? That's, where they're going, that's what they're going to do. Want, y'all know, anybody had a dog? You know if that dog gets his nose through the door, if he's, he's there and you crack, that's why they get with their nose right in the door. So as soon as you crack the door, boom, they're through. And if they can get their nose through there, they're in. You probably know Miss Linda. You got a big dog. That dog, if he gets his nose through, he's, he's, he's sitting up having dinner at the table, right? That's what happens. But see, that's kind of what was happening was, was that you get the nose through and now, and now the door's pushed open and everything, everything is on the table and everything. And, and so over the past few years, we've seen a transgender tsunami that has swept our nation. So we're talking eight years. This has just passed eight years that that passed, and you see what has happened in the eight years since that ruling. Um, there's a book called Gender Ideology, What Do Christians Need to Know? I, I'm, I'm going I'm to give, a, I'm give a, uh, a reserved, tentative recommendation on this book. Uh, many of the excerpts I've read from it are good. I have not read the book in whole. It's a book that I plan to get and read through, but it's written by a lady named Sharon James, and I'm going to reference some of the things that she had to say about this. But in that book, she writes this. She says, this challenge, this challenge to the man-woman blueprint, which lies at the foundation of family and society, is unprecedented. This is being challenged like it never has at any time before in, in, our, in, our, in our history. As an example of this, are you aware that the third Wednesday... Who knows what the third Wednesday in October is? Does anyone in here know? I hope not. Third Wednesday in October is now celebrated as International Pronouns Day. So it's, it's more and more and more of these things, and it's being pushed to be normalized of, of all of these things. I mean, we don't have National Adulterers Day. We don't have Fornication Month. Well, we do. I guess we do. We, I guess in a sense we do, but um, I mean, that's not, that sounds silly, but it's not. It, it, it's, what's, it's, the, it's what's being pushed to normalize these things. We live in an age of unprecedented confusion about sexual identity where it is now trendy to be trans. It's trendy. And, and, and you know, I work, I work with, I'm getting off base. But I worked with people in the past who, who claimed to be uh, gay. They were, they were gay. They were living a gay lifestyle. Since, they're married, have kids. But they're not gay anymore. And so it's, it's, it, this, is, this is a lifestyle choice. But we'll get more into that. 
But the, it, right now, it is trendy. It is a trendy thing to be trans, and that's the stuff that's being pushed. And our schools even push a lot of this. They celebrate these things that you can't push anything biblical, godly in the schools in, in many ways, but they'll celebrate as a school embrace this, and they got streamers up, and I, I've been on the high school campuses when they do these things, and it's allowed to go on. According to a Pew Research study from June 2022, 5% of adults aged 18 to 29 identifies transgender or non-binary. Now, that's over 2 million young adults. And that number has, if you watch the, the trend on it, it's, it's just trending up quickly. Again, it's trending because it's trendy to be trans, and that's what's being pushed. And kids who are, are not understanding what they're going through as they're growing up, they're, they're being pulled into these things. Uh, unless they're putting something in the water, folks, there, there aren't more, more transgender kids today than there would have been 50 years ago. It wouldn't all of a sudden be changing in that way other than the social norm has made it and is pushing that this is normal, this is right, this is what you actually should be doing, and that's what's, what's happening. Belief in the Bible at the same time, belief in the Bible and in basic human biology has been declared bigoted and transphobic. Well, I'm not scared of trans. I, I, the whole phobic stuff bothers me because, it's, again, it's a, oh, you're scared. I'm not scared of that. I'm not scared of someone who's gay. I'm not scared of someone who's trans. There's not a phobia of that. We, we recognize it as sin. And, uh, but that's the, the way you, you know, you're, you're homophobic, you're transphobic, you know, you're a bigot, you're a racist. Those are words that are thrown out if you don't speak the narrative that they're pushing, okay? All right, so let's start with a scriptural survey because I want, I want you to understand what the scriptures say on this, not just because I'm spouting out some things. So here's a one-sentence summary of what the Bible teaches. In God's good design, He created everyone as male or female. Amen. That's a one-sentence definition or description of what the Bible says. In God's good design, He created everyone as male or female. So let's go to the beginning and see what God has to say about the subject. You're there at Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 27. And verse 127 says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now, in the Hebrew, these words are arranged in three lines, each with its own poetic repetition and cadence. There's, if you go back to the Hebrew and, and the way it's broken down and written, it's, it's, it's a beautiful language in its own way. And the way that it, 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 with poetry, you know, just as poetry often is used to accentuate something with a careful, cho carefully chosen words and images, God celebrates with superlative language here how men and women are created in His image. And in the Hebrew, it captures it much more. It's more poetic. But in our language, it's, it's pretty clear. So God created man in his own image. Second line, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now the word so connects verse 27 to verse 26, and it expresses agreement and, and confirmation in what God had said there about creating man. Now, three times in this verse, we see the word created. Three times that word's used. And it's used, it's emphasizing the uniqueness of God creating mankind as male and female. He created them male and female. 
He says it three times that he created. This is his work that he created. From, from this point on, humanity is divided into two and only two groups. Two sexes, two genders, male and female. Okay, that's what the scriptures tell us here. Also, the fact that we are made in God's image is stated twice in this emphasis, in, in, in this, uh, twice for emphasis right here, that we are created in God's image. And so we are image bearers. Males are, men are image bearers of God. Females, women are image bearers of God. We bear the image. We are image bearers of God. Now we have, there are differences. We're the same. We'll talk more about that. But also consider the phrase here, male and female, he created them. The Hebrew, it reads a little different. It literally reads this way. It says, as male and female created he them. As male. So it, 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 it's a little even clearer than male and female, he created them. It says, as male. There's th- th- you see the distinction there? It's a little different in the distinction because he created them as male. As female, he created them. Created he them. Males and females are equal but not identical because their biological sex is separate and distinct. God created males and females on purpose with different purposes. We've been made differently by design with distinct capacities and roles to fulfill the divine mandate to serve as stewards of the earth. We have a mandate. God has given us a mandate. He gave it all the way back in the garden, and he made men and he made women for that distinct purpose. Now, there's two primary characteristics that distinguish males and females. There's different reproductive organs. There's different external anatomy, okay? But it goes to the cell level, folks. When you are, when you are born, when you are born, if you are a male, it's, it's in your DNA. It's all the way to the, to the core. You are a male through and through. If you are born a female, genetically, you are a female to the core. You are from, from DNA all the way to the physical expression. You are female. Male or female, you are that way. Now, there are some, some, some differences we see there. Gender is designed by God uh, at conception. From our DNA to our reproductive organs, all the way from that, to, from one to the other, it's, 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 um, God has designed that. And so God is the giver of gender. It's not something we assign. Male and females do not have interchangeable anatomy, and these differences are not inconsequential. There's a purpose. Folks, the Bible and biology make this clear. You know, I've heard it said about farm animals. You go on a farm animal, it's easy to identify males and females. It's the same way in the the nursery at the hospital. When children are born, it's easy to identify whether they are male or female. Um, I like how One Baptist Church fleshed this out. They wanted to affirm these truths. They said, we we affirm that when God created human beings, he established a male-female binary that is normatively displayed at the chromosomal level of human biology. These biological markers cannot be uh, legitimately chosen or changed based on personal preference, subjective feeling, or social norm or societal norm. Uh, they, they've captured that pretty well. I mean, we may have to consider something like that for our bylaws and our statements of faith in the culture that we're in today. You know, can you imagine it as God, when God created Adam, if Adam had come back to God and says, you know, I know you made me a male, but, you know, I just, today I feel like a woman. Could you, could you change, could you, change you know, my, my parts and, and, and my anatomy 
and, and just make me different. No, God, because God made Adam to be a man. That's what he made him, and he doesn't make mistakes there. In Genesis chapter 1, the phrase, according to its kind. If you read through Genesis chapter 1, you recognize this. If you've, you've read through this, I'm sure, many times. In Genesis, uh, there in 1, it says, according to its kind or according to their kind. That, that phrase is used 10 times in Genesis chapter 1, and it's used to indicate that there are separate species and genders which are distinct and different. God clearly uh, established categories in his creation. In addition, the word separate is used five times in the first chapter, and it means to set apart. They are to separate. They are separate. And this is a word of distinction and differentiation. The creation account in Genesis 1, uh, verse 1 through 27, shows how God separated many things. He separated the light from the darkness. He separated the waters above from the waters below. He separated the dry ground from the waters below. He separated the, the day from the night. And he separated humankind into two biological sexes. In God's good design, he created everyone as male or female. Now let's drop down to verse 28. And we see here how Adam and Eve were made, and they were made to complement each other in an intimate relationship so that they could have children. And this is all part of the blessing given by God when he made men and women with different bodies. Verse 28 says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. There's a reason that men and women are different, and they are complementary. We go together. Because, the, because of God's creative and wise design, when Adam and Eve came together physically in their separate genders with their distinctive reproductive organs, they were able to produce the next generation. Men and men cannot produce children. Women and women cannot produce children. It's a man and a woman situation. God has created that way. He has set that that way. God's plan was for them to be fruitful and multiply. When God created mankind as male and female, he, did, he, did he didn't just say it was good like he did with the other parts of the creation. If you look down at Genesis 1.31, when God surveyed what he created, he said, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. What he did with man, what he provided man was not just good, it was very good. The word very has the idea of being exceedingly great. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Very good. It means it's exceedingly great. And good means well-pleasing. So this is exceedingly great well-pleasing. Amen? amen? Are you married, folks? If you ain't married, don't amen. All right. Human beings are created in the image of God. That's what we learn here. Human beings are created in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them to procreate, that's to re, uh, reproduce after their kind. That was the purpose. One of the main the, the things that God is, he puts us together is male and female, and we're to reproduce after our kind. We're to form families and create new families. He called it all very good. Now, these foundational truths from Genesis chapter 1 help us resolve many moral matters, including the definition of marriage as one man and one woman united in a covenant relationship for life. That's what marriage is. And we find that right there in Genesis 1. It's defined that way. It is one man, one woman in a covenant relationship for life. Now, we, I'm not going to get into a marriage teaching today. We've, we've done that. We'll do it again at, at, at different times. We understand that. But the, the, the ideal that God established 
was one man, one woman, one lifetime. It is a committed, monogamous relationship. You are committed to one another. We can't change uh, our sex, nor are we to have sex outside of a monogamous marriage between one man and one woman. God's way is always best. Contrary to the thinking in our culture, in our current culture, binary is, is not bad. It's beautiful. Man, one man, one woman, it's a beautiful thing. When God puts that together in, in, in the context that God establishes that, that is beautiful. Gender is not just a social construct as, as is being argued today. Well, you know, gender is just whatever you want it to be. You can be whatever you want to be. Uh, I, uh, can I just say this? I don't care what someone wants to identify as. When people want to talk about transphobic, This is America. They have freedom. You can can choose to live your life the way you want to. You can choose to reject what God's plan is for your life. You can do that. I have no issue with that. I have issue with that being pushed on now that that's the normative thing. Let's do away with God. Let's do away with the family. And it's not just leave us alone and let us live this way. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to do away with our lifestyle, with what God has established, what humankind has, has done for, for, for 6,000 years since the creation. The problem I have is with the lies that are being pushed that are hurting others. You want to talk about speaking truth from a place of love? I love those children who are being destroyed and are being manipulated and being lied to and their bodies are being, are, are being mutilated. That's the word. Thank you. That's where I speak from a place of love on that because I care about those people who are being lied to and deceived. And folks, it is is all Satan's work. It is all Satan's work. So gender is not a social construct. We haven't just gone through this thing and, and Raymond, you're, you're a man. So we're going to, you've got to act this way and do that. No, men act the way they act because they're men. Right? Women act the way they act because they're women. They're not always. <laughs> Y'all aren't all Karens, okay? So that just hit me. There's not all women act the same. But we act the way we act because we are what we are. That that to say it that way. Your gender was designed and determined at conception, and as Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, because God formed your inward parts, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Folks, that's what we got to understand. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we want, we want these kids to understand that. We want these young people to understand this, not to be lied to and deceived. And you hear story after story of, of someone who's, who's transitioned, and then later on they're, they're, they're living in regret because they allowed someone to talk them into doing this. And they're, and they're, they're formed forever. And they go, that's not who I am. And, and, and there's story after story of that. And, and it, it just breaks my heart. To say it another way, your biological sex and gender are fixed, not fluid. They're not fluid. It's not one day you get up and you're this, and the next day you get up and you're that. Those, those most oftentimes are mental issues. They're not a biological issue. Okay. In Genesis 2.18, we read what happened when God saw that Adam was all alone. And the Lord God said, it is not good that, men, that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So God created Eve 
to perfectly complement Adam in every way, and he made Adam to, to complement Eve. After a delightful description of how God created the woman, Adam breaks out into poetry, speaking the first recorded words of a human. And we find that in verse 23. I've never thought about this until I was studying this week. And, and it's almost like he explodes in delight here. Um, you got to imagine the picture. He's named all these animals that God brought before him, and he's looking around and going, oh, where's my, where's my helpmate? You know, I see elephants and giraffes and zebras and lions and tigers and kitty cats and dogs and ain't nobody for me. And then God, God creates Eve for him. And God answers, his answer to Adam's loneliness is simple and profound. He created a partner for Adam. She was like him. She came from him and yet she was different from him. And the Hebrew words tell us the story there. The word for man is ish, and the word for woman is isha. Okay? So Adam was very, he, he was really cool about this whole thing. In the original context of this, you see it. He exclaimed, what happened was when, 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 when God brought Eve to Adam, he went, whoa, man. Whoa, man. Uh, he probably said that three or four times. We don't have that in the original scriptures, but I'm sure he said that three or four times. And folks, that's how we got the word woman. Because Adam went, whoa, man. All right, that's bad. I know. <laughs> Chapter 2 ends with harmony in their home. They're married. There's a covenant relation. God has put them together. The two become one, and they're in the home, and there's harmony there. And then, unfortunately, we go to chapter 3, and we see where sin entered the world. So next, let's look at this. Uh, turn to Deuteronomy 22.5, and we're, we're really almost done today. We're almost done. Uh, there's so much to do. I didn't want to try to kill you week one. There's, uh, but next thing is we're going to look at Deuteronomy 22.5 as we begin. We've looked at now the genders. We've seen what Scripture has God created male and female. We've seen the marriage relationship. God defines marriage. That's not our job. It's not the Supreme Court's job. It's not any of our government stuff today. God defines that. God is the creator, and he defined marriage, and it's his, he's the only one who can define that. He's the one who's created us male and female. Now, we look at Deuteronomy 22.5, and the verse says this. It says, A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. And here we see God prohibits the blurring of gender identity. Now, how many of you in the past, just find out, I know different backgrounds, how many of you have ever heard that women shouldn't wear pants? You've, you've heard that. This is the verse that's used to justify that. And it's a verse out of context. It's out of context. The application isn't even, it's not even right. The, the, the context isn't right. God's not saying a, a woman shouldn't wear pants, shouldn't wear jeans. You shouldn't wear jeans, you sinners. Y'all are terrible, bad, bad, bad woman over there. Bad woman. No, that, you're never going to live that down. Um, this, is about, this is about gender identity. So, so, folks, it's not something new. Now, the way it's being pushed today is, and the way it, it, it seems like it's just worldwide at one time, uh, it, it, that part is. 
But this blurring of the lines is not new, and the Lord says it very clearly here. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord our God. So again, this is not about pants on women. This is, this is about men intentionally looking like, identifying as a woman, or a woman intentionally looking like or identifying as a man. This is blurring the lines of gender. This is, I'm, I, you know what, I don't like being a man. I don't think I'm a man, so I'm going to put on a dress so you'll see me as a woman and you'll see me the way I want to be seen. It's all narcissistic. It's about me. It's about me. Um, but that's what this verse is speaking to. That, that it, you know, it, 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 it's not even just, it's not even, a, it, it's the whole deal of trans and cross-dressing and all of that deals with this. It's not about you women, so women, rest easy. You're okay. You can wear pants. It's all right. I could tell y'all are really worried about that. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, God just said nope to this. He said, nope, don't do it. Men are not to look like women. Women aren't to look like men. It ain't about pants. It's about the whole spectrum of that, of a woman trying to look like a man or trying to be a man or present as a man or a man trying to present as a woman, look like a woman, act like a woman, deceive you, and that you think she's a woman or he's a woman or whatever it is, okay? So that's what that verse is about. And God said, no, you are a man, look like a man. You are a woman, look like a woman. That's what the Lord says. Jesus confirmed the creation of Adam and Eve as different and distinct human beings in Matthew 19, verse 4. He said, and, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? He said something similar in Mark 10, 6. From, uh, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. So if people want to say that, well, well, Jesus never dealt with this issue, Jesus absolutely dealt with the issue because he referenced that. And we're going to talk more about that next week, about this lie that, well, Jesus never said anything about that. And we're going to confront that and look at that and see what Jesus actually said about all of this. The Apostle Paul also affirmed God's creation of two genders coming together in marriage to become one, Ephesians 5, 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Now, I went back. I said, I'm not going to leave anything to chance. I'm going to go back and look up those words. If you go back and look up, for this reason, a man. The word there for man speaks of a male. The word for a wife speaks of a female. It's not blurred in any way in the Scriptures. God is very clear. He created man. He created woman. He created marriages between a man and a woman for one lifetime, and the two shall become one flesh. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells us uh, our bodies don't ultimately belong to us. Verse 19, here's part of the problem. We, we uh, not we, but culture today uh, says this is my body. This is my body. You can't tell me what to do with my body. I mean, we can get into the whole abortion issue because uh, that child that's growing in you is not your body. Okay, from that standpoint alone, it's not your body. It's a lie that's being told, my body, my choice. Except when they want to push uh, vaccines on you, then it's, it's your body, my choice. You know, I get to choose uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, listen to what verse 19 and 20 says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You are not your own. For you are bought at a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Again, in God's good design, he created everyone as male and female. Sharon James says it strongly, again, that book um, that I referenced earlier. To disparage the physical human body is to disparage the God in whose image we are made. To downplay the male-female distinction is to reject God's design. Now, I've said it more on Wednesday nights than I've said it in here. But if you look around today, and I mentioned it, I kind of referenced this earlier, I think, is if you look around today, everything we see, everything we see in our culture today is an attack on Scripture. It's an attack. The marriage is under attack. Why? Because God established it. Why do you, why do you think this is being pushed so hard? Because it is a satanic attack that if God created you as a male, Satan wants you to destroy that body that God created and gave you. He wants to destroy that. Oh, well, well, we'll change their mind and make them think they're female, and now they'll mutilate their body. Now they can't have children. Now they can't reproduce. Now they can't be what God created them to be. Folks, this is an agenda. Satanic attack. And there are many people who wouldn't even see that, who participate in that, would not see it or understand it. But that's the truth of it. We know where this is coming from. All of these things. If you start, this is what we talk about, a biblical worldview. View the world around you through the spectacles of the Scriptures. Look at everything that's going on and try to see what's at, what's at the heart of that. Oh, that's undermining Scripture. Whole thing on millions of years, it's undermining Scripture. Whole thing about creation and evolution debate, it's undermining Scriptures. Male, female, God said he created male and female. Well, let's blur that. There's no male and female. It's just whatever you want to be today. You can be something different tomorrow. You want to be a pony, be a pony. You know, whatever. You can be that. That's not what God said. That's the attack on the scriptures. Marriage? Oh, you shouldn't get married. You should, you know, have a few kids. Then maybe think about living together. And then after you live together, if you like each other enough, maybe then get married. That's what's being pushed because it's an attack on the scriptures of what God has said about it. Folks, if we, if we believe this book, we can't pick and choose what we're going to stand on and live by from the book. We have to live the book. And so we have to, we got to put, put the scriptures on and see life, see out there. The only way to judge righteously is to judge through what's righteous, and that's the word of God. Amen. It's not about my feelings. Ooh, that's gross. It ain't about that. It's not gross. It's an abomination before the Lord. If it's gross, it's gross because it's sin. And we go, we go certain things that people go, well, homosexuality, that's gross, or transgender, that's gross. Well, you know what I think is gross? I think a man that has an affair is gross. I think, I think people that have sex out of marriage, that's gross because it's sin. I think when, 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 I, when I tell a lie, it's gross because it's sin. That's what we have to start seeing these things as. Is it righteous or unrighteous? Is it, is it biblical or not biblical? We've got to live on that, the foundation of what God has given us. Are we going to live the book or not? Are we going to live it or not? Now, I've got a little more, but I'm going to stop right there. I'll pick up there next week. Um, here's, the, here's the truth. 
There may be somebody sitting here under the sound of my voice this morning that's, that's struggling. To, to be, to be, and we'll talk more about this. You know, somebody, somebody may have a, a, an attraction that they're struggling with. Don't act on it. And you need to get that before the Lord. There may be somebody here that's, that's dealing with some of those issues, but they don't even know the Lord. You know what the Lord does? The Lord brings healing. Young, young lady I talked to yesterday, she said, I've got, these, these, I've got some anger. I got these, she said, I'm embarrassed, and I know I need to get saved, but I've got this anger and stuff. And she shared some things with me. I said, here's the deal. I said, if the Lord is truly calling you, you need to respond. You need to, you need to come to Him by faith, because what He'll do is put the pieces back together. And I shared, I shared my testimony. I shared things uh, that I've shared with you about what I've been through in life and how God brings healing and how he puts things back together. See, that's what we want. I'm not wanting to throw stones at anybody. I want you to be able to come into a, a relationship with the God of the universe who loves you, who sent his son to die on a cross for your sin, to save you from your sin, to bring healing, and to help you live for the purpose. I hear all these young people, they want to find a purpose in life. The only purpose is found in Christ. It's in Christ. That's our purpose is in Christ. And when we have a relationship with Christ, man, our life has purpose and meaning. It's no longer this, this floundering around and chasing after whatever the new thing is. Struggling with what am I? Who am I? We can have purpose. This morning if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior... I, I would plead and beg with you to just step out. You can come see me after the service. If you, if you're, to, you know, you're like, I don't want anybody to look at me. I don't want people. That's okay. I'll be here after the service. Come hunt me down. Love to share with you how you today can know that you have a relationship with Christ. He can, he can heal you, forgive you of your sin, and, and begin to put the pieces back together. Christians, where are we at? Are we walking with the Lord? Am I where I need to be with the Lord today? Because if I'm not, maybe it's a good start to be at this altar this morning and just say, Lord, forgive me. I've gotten away. I'm a little bit away here. I've slid on this. I've slid on that. I've, I've allowed this to come into my... Whatever. And you're going, well, I can't come to the altar. Somebody will think I'm a sinner. <laughs> No, we already know. We all are. But this morning, Pastor Aaron, you, you can come, you and Jim.